the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on this beautiful Saturday, December the 17th, 2022. Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got a good one for you, another good one for you. We've got four guests for you, but uh, in order to provide good enough uh, uh, introductions to them, we're going to just break up the intros into uh, two segments. We're going to have the first two guests, and then we're going to have the second two guests. Our first two guests are uh, new folks, Miss Irene Arbendares Jackson, who is from El Paso, and uh, she is a Republican uh, activist in El Paso. She has run for Congress in El Paso. She's going to be chatting with us about the recent election and what is going on in El Paso with uh, the border crisis, my friends. You're going to want to hear her perspective. She is a great lady. We also have uh, Mr. Taylor Kramer. Taylor is a um, uh, a blogger in South Texas, in deep South Texas, in the Rio Grande Valley. He has a blog called Rio Grande Valley Truth. You're going to definitely want to hear what he's got to say about what is going on in the Rio Grande Valley, not only with the conservative movement, the Republican Party and the conservative movement, but also, of course, with the crisis, with the border crisis. So, my friends, thank you very, very much for joining us today. I hope that you will uh, you will tell your friends about our program. I hope that you will encourage people to listen to our program. We do not necessarily bring you new news. What we do, my friends, is we fill in the blanks for what the uh, the mainstream media is not telling you. We talk to people who are in the know and who can tell you exactly what is happening uh, in your backyard, uh, as well as uh, at the at the at the border as well as what is going to be happening in your backyard with the illegal immigration problem. So, my friends, once again, thank you for joining us. We'll be right back after the uh, break, and uh, we've got our first two guests. Thank you. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio here in San Antonio, in the heart of South Texas. And we've got a new guest with us, my friends, Miss Adam. Uh, Miss uh, Irene Armendariz Jackson from El Paso. She is a former uh, candidate for Congress in El Paso. And she is also the wife of a Border Patrol agent. So she's very, very qualified to talk uh, about the politics and what's happening on the border. Irene, welcome to the, bo- to, to the program. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. It's an honor and a privilege. Thank you for inviting me, George. Let's uh, let me begin by asking you because over this past weekend of December tenth uh, and eleventh, there was a lot of activity on the border, particularly in El Paso. What do you think about the border crisis that's going on? Well, you know, it's very disheartening. I am a native of El Paso. I'm fifty-two years old. Uh, we've raised our our family here. My husband and I have been married twenty-nine years. As of last November. We have three beautiful daughters and four grandbabies, the fifth one on the way. And sometimes it's just too much to see what is happening. And not that it's being ignored, because I think people are understanding on the Republican side what is going on. But, you know, we didn't get this way from one day to the next, George. So it's important to call out the powers that allowed it to get this bad and let's get this crisis fixed it is a self-inflicted wound 
but it, it has an easy fix and uh, it doesn't have to be complicated, but politicians like to complicate things. Yeah, that's very, very true. You uh, there, right there in El Paso, you've got a very famous uh, politician named Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> Has he ever made any kind of uh, suggestions other than uh, punishing Americans? No, 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 absolutely not. If you look at the history of where he comes from, he, when he was in city council, first of all, he's never held a job in his life. He went from college directly to being an elected official at the city council. And you have, you see the history of how he voted, what he did for all you Catholics that voted for Beto O'Rourke. He actually had a priest removed um, physically from a city council me- meeting. Um, he's again, he's never held a job. So what could he have in, in common with the common person, uh, like most Americans? And he does not represent us. He comes from a very wealthy, uh, background and, uh, and I would dare to say even a criminal background because wow. you, you hear this, the evidence of what happened with his mom's furniture store, which I never visited because it was a, very high-end um, furniture store, but it closed from one day to the next, and rumor has it that it was laundering money. And so I come from a background of service. He comes from a background of uh, criminal activity and uh, being born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Wow. He sounds like Hunter Biden. <laughs> <Verdad. laughs> <Not> really? <laughs> uh, let me let me ask oh, you. Let me ask you this because this is a very very. I mean, you were a candidate. What do you think the Republicans need to do along the border in order to win? Uh, well, in, in the Hispanic community in general, what do you think they need to well, do okay. here in Texas? Absolutely. Look, let me tell you why the border is so is so important, uh, George. Because the majority of the people that live on the border, like my parents are legal immigrants who then have their children here in the United States. And so you have a lot of uh, immigrants and you have, especially from Mexico, and then you have a lot of first generations uh, like myself who are brought up very Mexican-like culture. And the Mexican culture is a, a culture of family, of life, of hard work. Yes, we have some very negative um, stereotypical things in our in that culture, but let's not not bring those with us. And they came for a reason. I believe the Republican Party has a very unique opportunity to change the politics, not only of 2024, but of decades to come if they really take serious the largest demographic um, minority, not only in Texas, but in the United States. Here in Texas, we're, I think we're like at 39%. Um, that's a large amount of people. And we're, they're not, we're not that easy to, to win over. Coming from a non-political background and understanding, um, spiritually, the, the spiritual side of the Democrat Party and the Republican Party was what brought me to the Republican Party. And I remember in an interview, Jorge Ramos asked me, well, what do you think about, uh, the Republican Party? Um, seeking you out and uh, and look, looking for the Hispanics just for the vote. And I said, I want to get one thing straight. The Republicans didn't come looking for me. I went looking for the Republicans. <laughs> and why? Because, because of the issues. Because once you start the issues, and if you pound those issues over and over and over again, and that's what I'm saying about the Republican Party getting serious. You and I were in a meeting the other day, and you and I see eye to eye. And I think the majority of the Republican Hispanics uh, see this and understand this and have been screaming it from the rooftops. When will the Republicans understand that it does matter who, not only the message, who the messengers are? And so they can call us coconuts. I'm sure you've been called that. They can say, you know, con el nopal en la cara, whatever. It doesn't matter who they really are. But the Republican Party has a few that control it and they love the power. If I have learned anything in the last six years, of walking through this political side is that power is what people want to hold on to more than even money. Of course, the power brings money and whatnot, but it's that power. When you ask somebody, um, hey, how can I get in touch with so-and-so because I'd like to invite them? All of a sudden, they all have dementia, and then all of a sudden, nobody can get a hold of them. Why? Because they don't want you to outshine them. So you tell me why... Ted Cruz flies into El Paso. Contact 
anybody in the GOP, we were in the middle of our campaign, ignores us completely and drives 45 minutes into New Mexico to help Yvette Harold with her campaign. I'm his constituent. El Paso are his constituents. How dare he ignore us? Ignore us. Really, that's true. Let me ask you a favor that um, try not to move too much because we're losing your audio every now and then. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to stop. It's my hands. I'm speaking. I'm... Yeah, I know. I know. Try, 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 to, try to stay still sure. <laughs> because we're losing your audio. But it's very, very true. It's very, very true. You know, we have... We have gatekeepers that want to that want to keep uh, people out, and then we've got other superstars that uh, don't have time for us. <laughs> exactly. Very, very, very true. Let me ask you uh, another question: uh, the issue of, uh, I mean, uh, while uh, we lost many, many races in the Hispanic community here in San Antonio, the Republican Party was wiped out practically in w- mm. inside the county. Um, however, the state did turn redder. There were more uh, elected officials. What do you expect of the state when it comes to uh, Republican issues like the border and uh, and uh, school choice and a few other things? What what do you expect? Well, I expect them to stand their ground. I expect the Republicans at the state level to say what they are for once they're elected, then stand for the platform and the platform of the Republican Party is what is drawing uh, Hispanics to the Republican Party and if you don't align with it then you need to get out call uh-huh. yourself an independent and call you, or call yourself a libertarian or call yourself a democrat <laughs> don't call yourself a republican and then do not stand for the platform of the Republican Party here in El Paso I've been told you should say you're a conservative. You know, I find, George, that at this in this climate, people are looking for the opposite of what they have right now in the Democrat cities like my own. And the opposite of a Democrat is a Republican. But let's be a true Republican. And if not, let's make sure that those people are not elected again. Let's hold them accountable. But let's make sure that if we're going to say we're going to have a red wave, we don't just sit back and wait for results. That we work until election day, until the last hour, and make sure that we deliver what we promise. Because I can guarantee you, everybody's hurting in this economy. And we have not begun to see the effects of all of this illegal uh, illegal immigrants coming in. Um, very alarming. It's not only the numbers that are recorded being very close to Border Patrol, we're, we're getting at least 500 getaways every day. Wow. That should be alarming and should be put us in a panic stage to get if you're not, if you're not, if your idea of, of uh, supporting is just going out to vote, shame on you. That's why we didn't get the red wave. You need to be donating. You need to be knocking on doors. You need to be on your knees and asking the Lord to forgive our sins and allowing this to, ha- to get to where we're at, George. Oh. And I believe that God is merciful and he will hear our cry if he so wills it. But in the meantime, let's make sure that we are very active and letting everybody know from the rooftops, the Republican Party is the party of conservative values. And we align with the Hispanic community. Excellent. I couldn't say it better. Irene, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us. We've got to get you back on the show again, and you can give us an update of what's happening with uh, with uh, politics in, uh, in El Paso. Sometimes people forget that El Paso is part of Texas. Oh, I know. We're like a stepchild. We're barely hanging on, but we are there. And, you know, for anybody that wants to contact me, my number is 915-494-2851. 915-494-2851. We have new projects in the works. And if you want to be a part of it, make sure that you contact me so we can get you that information as soon as it we launch it. You got it. Thank you very, very much. Folks, we've been speaking with my good friend, Miss Irene Armendariz-Jackson from El Paso. You stay good. Have a Merry Christmas. Likewise.
Thank you, George. Bye-bye. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, a new guest with us, uh, Mr. Taylor Kramer. And Taylor is, uh, he he has a um, uh, a blog uh, called Rio Grande Valley Truth. Uh, very, very interesting. He is, uh, he follows the politics in the Rio Grande Valley which uh, can be very, very interesting, and I'll use that uh, that uh, term. But uh, we wanted to get him on because um, there's all sorts of things happening in, in the Rio Grande Valley, particularly with uh, the border crisis. And uh, Taylor, thank you for taking time to be with us. First of all, tell the folks a little bit about um, Rio Grande Valley Truth. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. Um, so yeah, RGV Truth, which is Rio Grande Valley Truth, um, is uh i've been reporting uh on the border just documenting what's been happening down here in mcallen um from here to eagle pass and also uh the local politics down here and um i've been uh following the local politics just to record you know like cec meetings um and other uh, other conservative meetings down here for the people who are still at work and can't make the meetings but uh yeah even in that i'll tell you i've gotten a lot of flack from the conservatives down here for just recording so uh, it is, as now, you said, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us, uh, um, we, uh, you know, we expected a much bigger red wave uh, in South Texas than we got. Uh, any any quick assessments that you can give us on that? Um, yeah, so, well, I think there was a lot of government propaganda out there. I think Trump has a better record with endorsements than anybody ever has. And just because he missed by, you know, 40 endorsements out of what was it, 300, uh, everybody kind of took the the liberal media bait that Trump's over and everything else. But I mean, that's that's the furthest thing from the truth. But uh, down here in the Valley, um, everybody traditionally votes Democrat. And there are, you know, since the 2020 elections, um, there has been a red wave down here. And I think it is continuing to grow. And everybody who's saying there is no red wave is just trying to suppress it. Um, the only problem with the valley seems that everything is controlled by rhinos and everybody's looking for the money and that money's coming from some legacy, uh, you know, I'm not going to name names, but from some legacy presidential families that have been well known in Texas. Right. Right. Yeah, we know. We know. Sadly, we know too much about that. The uh, O-line establishment versus uh, the grassroots folks. And it's all, it's, you know, it's always class warfare, no matter what they try to hide it as, that's what it is. They see themselves as a ruling class over the common people. Yep. Uh, Let's talk about uh, the border crisis. Specifically, you've talked to us a little bit about, you've talked to me a little bit about the NGOs, the non, uh, the the non-governmental organizations or non-profit organizations that are assisting in what I call the colonization of America, the the yes. bringing in all the, these folks, uh, tell us a little bit about that. What what you see, what you uh, find there in your neck of the woods. About maybe a year and a half ago, they had processing tents, these big white tents, right in downtown McAllen, right across from the bus station and Catholic Charities, right by Fifteenth Street, um, and they were processing the illegal aliens for COVID. And then they take them over to Catholic Charities, get them fed, get them, you know, that's basically where they were getting all their uh, benefits from. They were trying to find sponsors, which is another story all in all. But basically, uh, Border Patrol can only hold on to illegal aliens for a certain amount of time. And after that, they have nowhere to put them. And that's where Catholic Charities and a lot of these other NGOs in the Valley come in. They're basically a storage facility. And and they also route plane flights. They help uh, the illegal aliens out with everything they can. Because the more they spend, the more they get reimbursed by the government. And literally, like here in San Antonio, uh, they come in for three days and uh, make the arrangements for their flights. But after those three days, they turn them loose. They, uh, I mean, if they yes. are, if if they haven't got their flights yet, they, I mean, we've met lots and lots of illegal alien homeless. Is that uh, going on there too? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, so. You know, one thing we used to, uh, I used to be with a group down here, a Patriot group, and we would monitor, monitor Catholic charities uh, 24-7. And late at night, 
you would see women, a lot of times, there's a lot of times it's pregnant women or women with very young children. That seems to be the, the most heavily trafficked or the most heavily sought after. And um, you would see these women go with their envelopes. You know, everybody knows the vanilla, manila folder they get. Right. They would go to the bus station, sit in the bus station for a few minutes, come back out, sit on a bench and get picked up by, you know, uh, some hot rod or low rider, you know, obviously somebody connected to uh, some sort of trafficking ring. And it's sad. You can see it morning, noon and night. Now, Catholic Charities has tightened up security. They have blacked out all their windows and uh, they really don't like cameras. And what we've always said, you know, when we're outside on the street with cameras and they're calling the police on us and everything else and saying that we're threatening them is if you're if you have nothing to hide, you know, why this reaction? Exactly. And they just they have guilty written all over their faces. Exactly. We we encountered that on Monday here in here in uh, San Antonio when I went out to do some interviews at the migrant center. I had some idiot just go maniac uh i saw over, that <laughs> over you know over what's well, so that's a programmed individual he is absolutely all the cia psyops are working on him just perfectly he could not think of anything more than race he said you were a race trader and this guy's white and everything else and that has been the token they throw down the chip the elites always throw down to keep us fighting amongst ourselves and not realizing it's about class the elites don't care what color you are they just don't want the common people to start making the rules. And I think that's what Trump really brought in, that people like me wearing dirty boots and a dirty T-shirt getting off work are coming to CEC meetings and wanting to change their community. Wow. Uh, so where do you see us going? I mean, this thing is really, really out of control at this point. Uh, thousands are coming in on a daily basis. I mean, it's no yes. longer just a few. Where do you think this thing is going? Um, I think it's... Uh it's not going to stop. This is absolutely 100% a United Nations, United States government uh, sanctioned uh, human trafficking network, and everybody's on the take. There's so much money coming in, everybody's looking the other way. It has corrupted everyone, every single person from, and I hate to say it, law enforcement all the way up to the president. They're all 100% in on it. And uh, there's good law enforcement out there, but, you know, uh, down here, there is one economy. And that's all I'll say about that. Yep. The, let, let me ask you. There was a, a story of a um, uh, of a district, an assistant district attorney that got caught, that she got caught uh, trafficking uh, some illegal aliens the other day. Uh, yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that situation? Um, yeah. Well, it's still, you know, I don't want to say too much when things are developing, but it just seems like, you know, again, it's just a case of people in the government thinking they're above the law and they can do whatever they want and they have no shame. And that seems to be the majority of our elected officials. I mean, just, you know. Yeah, I, I know that. It's terrible. I mean, I remember there there have been uh, some significant arrests in Cameron County, for example, of uh, police chiefs and DAs and other folks like that. For right. Corruption. Um, where was this one? Where was this DA from? Was um, yeah, it was is in the valley. I, have to, I would have to research that more. Okay. Um, that's been just a new story. I've got so many other things I've been going on. I've been in a lot of meetings, so that that one's kind of yeah. Like what? What, what else head. do you have going on? Well, so the main thing is just connecting dots for people about these NGOs, and and the biggest thing is why is the Catholic Church? Why is the Catholic Church always connected with all the unaccompanied minors? Why does the Catholic Church get all the children? I mean, we know what the record is with the Catholic Church and children. They should not be. <laughs> They shouldn't be together, let's just say that. And um, Sister Norma Penimental seems to really put herself... In the middle uh, of everything. <laughs> in, the, in the middle of everything. The amount of times Nancy Pelosi or Hillary Clinton has come down to Catholic Charities... It's always been with her. I, it's, yes, and it's... Um, so there is... Uh, well, I'm not going to get into too many names here, but there is... Basically, back in the 90s, the Clintons came down here and just showered this whole place with money. And they are basically, they're deities down here. Um, there, there are certain restaurants you can go to, and they have shrines to Bill Clinton, where he sat in that seat, and they have pictures everywhere. And oh, my autographs. They are royalty down here. The Clintons absolutely greased all the wheels down here. And why are the Clintons greasing all the wheels and keeping a very special place in their, their book for what's been known historically as the biggest human trafficking area in the United States? just a question you know yeah wow it really is i mean uh sister pimentel as they call her uh what, oh, is, yeah. the, what yeah. is the name of her of, of uh, her organization that's catholic charities in mccallan and you know here's the thing so i've been to many meetings and events where they put everybody up on a stage it's it's your 
local representatives, your state representatives, Sister Norma, and they're all blaming, well, yeah, these, this, these things are happening, but it's the traffickers, you know, not us. We're just trying to help people. And when she was asked at a public event, what can we do to stem the flow of migrants? She said, there's nothing we can do. We just have to take them all in. Ah, my um, gosh. So basically there's, there's, oh, just, you know, keep letting me run my, you know, my trafficking game here. Nothing. Uh, but yeah. nothing. Yeah, she's got no no answer for trying to stop it, which if you truly cared about the people, you would want them to be happy in their own country, which is something Trump did. Trump actually put a lot of money into El Salvador and other places for manufacturing. As we know, manufacturing helps out everybody. That's why he was trying to get it back in the United States as well. Wow. Taylor, we're going to need to let you go. Uh, and Tell the folks where they can follow you. Um, so my main thing would be on Rumble. That's uh, like a YouTube but it's an alternative YouTube. So it'd be RGV Truth on Rumble. You can catch all my clips and uh, written stuff on Facebook under RGV Truth. I'm also on Telegram if you want to get in contact with me. My email is rgvtruth at protonmail.com. And I would really like you guys to check out this video called This is Human Trafficking. It's on my Rumble, and it'll really uh, explain everything from how people get from the border to Catholic charities and everything else. You got it, buddy. Thank you once again, my friends. We've been speaking with Taylor Kramer from Rio Grande Valley Truth or RGB Truth. Thank you very, very much for being with us, Taylor. Thanks for having me. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Welcome back, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And welcome back to our second, uh, the second part of our program, my friends. Our two, our next two guests uh, are uh, Mr. Jason Jones, who is a regular on our show. He is a reporter with Newsmax at the border. He is going to be providing you some information about what is happening and what is anticipated to happen in uh, the next few days uh, as uh, the Title 42 is removed, my friends. This is serious. This is a very, very serious situation we're looking at. Uh, After uh, Jason, we've got uh, Mr. Wade Miller. He is a new guest with us, but a very, very noteworthy one. Wade Miller used uh, uh, used to be chief of staff for Congressman Chip Roy, but now he is the executive director for the Center for Renewing America, they, uh, this group, uh, this organization has taken, in my opinion, a lead in uh, providing uh, information, providing uh, guidance on what needs to happen regarding the border crisis, my friends. They uh, are, have become a think tank specializing on what is happening at the border, and uh, they have uh, been very, very active here in Texas uh, and in Arizona. Uh, providing guidance, providing uh, direction to legislators, to to uh, local organizations. I mean, they've been very, very active. Uh, Jason, uh, or should I say uh, Wade Miller, is very, very notable uh, in this uh, arena. He is uh, knowledgeable, extremely knowledgeable of what is happening. You're going to want to hear what he's got to say. So, uh, friends, once again, thank you very, very much for joining us today. Uh, I hope that uh, you will uh, continue to join us, and I hope you'll tell your friends about us. So, without further ado, let's go to our first guest uh, here in the second segment, uh, Mr. Jason Jones from Newsmax. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Jason Jones, formerly with uh, the Texas Department of Public Safety and now with Newsmax. He is a, a one of one of their uh, border contacts, but he is our criminal border expert. And uh, Jason, welcome to the show. Talk to us because I know you've been working working down there. What is going on with these huge number of aliens that are crossing right now? What uh, is being done about it, or who are they, or what's wh- how are we handling this thing? Sure, George, as always, buddy, it's good to be with you, and uh, thanks for all you're doing to always try to share what's really happening down there with the folks. Um, So I was in El Paso, which, as you know, uh, I've been warning for months that all I 
guys should be on El Paso, Texas, because we saw a shift in migrant crossings from Del Rio, which has been ground zero for the southwest border, to now El Paso, the way it has been for the last two months. And I spent the week, Monday through Friday, uh, in El Paso sector, embedded with the Texas Department of Public Safety's Criminal Investigations Division, uh, watching them take down stash houses, but also with the Texas Department of Public Safety's Aircraft Division. And I have to tell you, I've been absolutely stunned at what I saw. Uh, we went in everything from stash houses. We were in pursuits. We were in bailouts. We watched as uh, migrants were running through neighborhoods of citizens' uh, homes. I mean, it is incredible. And what is happening out there is that here's here's what's taking place. You had 53,000 apprehensions in the month of November in El Paso sector. You had 26,000 thousand known gotaways never mind the ones we don't know about so in el paso on the west side there's a mountain and that mountain uh, divides new mexico texas and mexico it's called mount cristo rey scouts from mexico climb up that mountain and then they look into new mexico where the border wall goes and they call out border patrol agents where they are and tell migrants on the mexico side when to cross that's the Halcon Network. That's how. That's what they're doing. And for about five miles into New Mexico, you have these runners that are crossing into the United States, going into stash houses and being moved throughout the country by the alien smuggling organizations. And we were there in the air, on the ground, watching it play out. And when I tell you literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds a night of runners are crossing. Now, what is a runner? What most news agencies show you are the family units. These are the people who DHS allows to turn themselves into law enforcement, CBP specifically, and they're allowed to be in the country under different statuses like parole, et cetera. What I'm talking to you about are people who are not allowed to be into the country under DHS's current rules. And now who are they? Well, it's going to surprise your audience, but right now it's four main countries, Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvadorians. Those are what we are seeing on the ground as runners because DHS, for whatever reason, has decided that only those four countries are not allowed to stay here. So they're coming in mass like the rest of the world, but then they're working with these alien smuggling organizations. And then from there, they're taken into stash houses. And I got to tell you, I watched as DPS did incredible work rescuing an 11-year-old girl and 11 other migrants, total of 12, out of an Econo Lodge motel uh, that was being used as a stash house. And, I, I mean, it was just stunning. You walk in, George, and you see human feces on the ground. You immediately smell it. You smell body odor when you walk in, and trash and debris everywhere where these people are just sleeping on the floor in any square inch they can get in, in, this, in this room. And... It is an example of what you hear me say when we talk about the issue at the border through the lens of immigration, that's one layer. But when you start peeling back the onion, you look at the human smuggling, the the trafficking, the stash houses, the drug trafficking. One main takeaway that I saw this week is that not only is our border completely overrun, but the, the trade craft that the alien smuggling organizations are using is exactly what we used to see them using for drug trafficking. I mean, literally, as you're, you're, they're driving down the road trying to move people completely filled in a vehicle, they have roving vehicles that are following that vehicle to make sure they're not being followed by any law enforcement. Then the driver doesn't even know where he's going. When he gets to a pre-designated location, he texts the other smugglers who are going to tell him what stash house to go drop them off at. So we're seeing trade craft in an area that we never saw it before. You know, human smuggling was... It, this was not a big moneymaker domestically. Today, that has completely shifted, and I saw it firsthand. Wow! It, it, you know, we are listen, we are we are hearing how this past weekend, uh, uh, December the tenth, eleventh, the uh, the number of people that arrived in one group, one group alone in El Paso, was well over seven hundred. Uh, another two hundred pa- crossed. A group of 200 crossed in in Del Rio. Uh, these are outrageous numbers. Uh, well, you have to remember, yeah. George. Those are the family units. Yeah, and those, again, that's what I, where I was going. Those right. are the family units. Heaven knows 
who's getting away that we don't know about, who is coming in that we don't know about, because our uh, Border Patrol agents are so busy taking care of these hundreds, thousands. These po- these policies from, from DHS and from the, the administration are absolutely going to change crime in this country. And there is no doubt about it. What I saw this week stunned me. And look, you know, I'm on that border almost every other week. Um, and what is happening in El Paso, they, it, it's truly incredible. I mean, from the air, what, the reason I go with aircraft is because you get a completely different view. And it was amazing to watch at night as all of these groups of two, 20, 40, etc. groups on the Mexico side start lining up preparing. And as we're flying in the helicopter, we're hitting our siren, we're hitting them with the night sun, we're, we're trying to uh, break up the groups on the Mexico side as best as possible. But eventually that helicopter runs out of gas. It's right. truly a force multiplier. Yep. And as we depart, as that helicopter departs, the Halcones, the, the guys who are the lookouts for the smugglers and the cartels, they say, now's the time to go. The helicopter just left. And you can literally listen over the radio as, as Border Patrol and the other high-flying aircraft that they couldn't see or hear says, here they come, here they come, and it just droves of them. I've actually got a video, George, that we're going to break the story on tomorrow, where a woman crossed over with a group of 45, broke both of her legs, and all 45 of them ran off and just left her. Border Patrol had to sit with her for almost an hour. They were in such a remote area before the ambulance could even get there. I've got it all on video. Wow. I mean, it's stunning what's taking place. Now, now, once they cross... Uh, who who picks them up um, once they're cross pro- processed whatever that means uh and released these family units that's one thing but what happens to the runners if you do catch them okay it's a great question they do not have processing av- availability for the amount of people that are crossing i want to be very clear on that so right. what's happening and i've got exclusive video on this as well is those that are being apprehended that are runners they're being belly chained, meaning they're put into chains, put into handcuffs, and they're loaded onto air, aircraft. And I watched this firsthand. Um, and then they're flown to Harlingen, Texas, and to Laredo, Texas. And then I heard McAllen as well, but I know Harlingen and Laredo for sure because I talked to Border Patrol agents who are actually boarding these airplanes, conducting security. And they're having to fly them to other processing centers because El Paso doesn't have capacity to, to conduct the processing. So... They have no idea who these people are. They're putting them in handcuffs. They're boarding these charter flights of uh, usually about 140 at a time. And anywhere from four to five flights per day are leaving El Paso just to process these people. Now, from there, we don't know what happens because we don't know what country of origin they come from. But most likely, many of them are being deported because of their runner status. Do you see them? It all depends what they claim. So they they are being deported, hopefully. Hopefully. Well, hopefully, but you got to remember, there are so many exemptions yeah, under right, exactly. Title 42 uh, that DHS has put in play. We don't know. And, and I, I'll tell you another thing. If anyone gets a chance, go to the El Paso airport. It is covered up in people who are allowed to stay in the country from all over the world. I mean, you see them everywhere with no shoelaces because Border Patrol is taking their shoelaces and they're holding vanilla envelopes and they're everywhere at the damn airport. Wow. I mean, it's stunning what we're doing to the country, George. Really? And for me, for me, what I can't get over is in five days, one agency, I want to give you a stat here that's going to stun you. In five days, just the Texas Department of Public Safety took down uh, 23 stash house operators and, and rescued over 1,000 migrants. I'm sorry, rescued over 100 migrants in just a Monday through Friday period that I was there. Wow. Think of that. Think of that. We have a crisis. <clears throat> Listen, buddy, we need to um, we need to let you go. Tell the folks where they can follow you and where they can uh, uh, see the the stuff that you are publicizing and whatnot. You bet. Uh, you can find us on Newsmax, and you can also find us at Jason Jones. That's J A E S O N Jones. I'm on all social media from TikTok to Instagram. You name it, we're there. You got it. Thanks a lot, Jason. We uh, we definitely need to get you back on the show probably next week to get an update of what is happening because so much is happening. Thank you very, very much, buddy. Always good to be with you, buddy. You got Take it. Care. Once again, my friends, we George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and we've been speaking with our good friend Jason Jones from Newsmax.
Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And we've got uh, a new uh, we've got a new guest with us, Mr. Wade Miller. He is executive director of Citizens for Renewing America in D.C. He is also the former chief of staff for uh, Congressman Chip Roy, our congressman right here in my backyard. And uh, I wanted to reach out to him because they have he and uh, several others have been very, very involved in this uh, in addressing the border crisis. So I would like for him to uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, everything that's going on at the border that we hear, that we see right here. Um, what's going on in D.C.? Wade, thank you for taking time to be with us today. Tell us what is going on with, in Washington to address our, our, our crisis here. Yeah, so uh, uh, thanks for having me on. And, of course, you and I have known each other for quite a few years now. And the short answer is nothing. And nothing is going on in D.C. to address the border crisis. In fact, you know, the Biden administration is allowing Title 42 to expire. Of course, they'll blame it on a judge, but they were already ramping it down and didn't want to use it anyways. Uh, so so nothing's really going on. And uh, I don't know that anything's gonna go on in the next Congress, even with a, a, a you know the House controlled by Republicans, because I don't see a current leadership structure where they will be you know actually intent on fighting on a major must-pass piece of legislation like a continuing resolution or an omnibus bill, and actually pick a fight and force fundamental reforms that would uh, empower border agents to actually secure the border. And so this gets to. You know, the strategy that we have been pushing for some time, uh, which is the the invasion strategy, you know, Article one, Section 10, Clause three. uh, We have been very adamant of using this strategy as a a way to get around the current limitations that the courts have put on states to enforce immigration law. And of course, the Article one invasion uh, uh, argument is not immigration law. It's a constitutional power. So myself, King Cuccinelli, Russ Vote, we have been working this for almost two years to really make it a national debate. I think that, uh, you know, with the help of a lot of others, especially in Texas, uh, and, and I would be remiss to exclude Arizona. The, you know, Arizona, some people there have been very helpful as well. In fact, Carrie Lake endorsed this plan. Uh, she was going to do it on the first day of, of being uh uh, you know, sworn into office, and I'm still holding out a little hope there that the courts will take up her challenges and, and, and provide her some relief because I, I do think there was a massive amount of voter disenfranchisement in Arizona. But the invasion strategy is our main push that we've really been getting behind because it actually is a power that has not been used before. Uh, uh, it's been referenced by James Madison, it's been referenced by Sam Houston in this uh, context, but they didn't actually get around to. To officially doing it. So we know that the founders and, and early Americans would have recognized this authority as valid. We just don't have the the political leadership in place in Texas to actually do it. And they're throwing out every excuse in the world to not actually declare an invasion or if they do declare an invasion as we've seen from Governor Abner recently in some kind of uh, empty executive orders that don't actually accomplish the objective they are not coupled with enforcement measures that need an invasion declaration. So, for instance, Abbott can right now say, I declare an invasion and say, I'm going to take all illegal crossers back to the border. What he's really saying is he's going to take illegal crossers to ports of entry and hand them over to federal agents, and they're going to be processed and uh, let loose on the interior. So he's not actually empowering state agents to do anything about it. So this is an ongoing fight that we're pushing and again, I, I, I don't think that this is going to change next year, uh, depending on who is the speaker. There's a big speaker fight there, but that's the dynamic on the border situation currently. Uh, we've got some big name people pushing this. You know, Chip Roy has been an advocate of this, Michael Cloud and others at the federal level. And of course, Don Huffines in the governor's race. Uh, this was a major part of his platform. Kerry Lake in Arizona, the attorney general of Arizona was a big uh, backer of this. Uh, and, and at least, as of right now, Abbott actually recognizes the authority, but he's not willing to use it. And that's perplexing to me if you are actually serious about securing the border, why you wouldn't want to do this. And I see the next session, we have three real opportunities to do this. One is a public health authority. So if you if you get innovative with public health authorities, you can sidestep the Arizona v. U.S. limitations. It's a totally different silo legally. 
Then you've got the invasion strategy. That's a different silo from the immigration uh, uh, silo and, and, and also sidesteps Arizona v. U.S. limitations. And then I also think that the states just need to get serious about overturning Arizona v. U.S. It's bad case law. It was wrongly decided. And I think that they've got to get innovative on trying to pick standing. So I think that the Governor Abbott and the Texas legislature have three opportunities to try to secure the border. And I'd like to see them be serious about one of them. And right now, so far, I've not seen them serious about any of them. Let me ask you about this, because one of the things that I, I, I keep talking about is the, the second part of the, of the um, invasion, which is uh, the impact on local communities, the, the schools, the medical uh, uh, services, the welfare, the housing, everything is being impacted by these millions of illegal aliens. And, um, you know, will the states have any kind of, do you think that they'll have any kind of, uh, of uh, guts, I'll put it in those terms, to, uh, to address it? I sure hope so. I don't think Steve McCraw, head of DPS, has the guts to do this. I don't think he's the right man for the job. I think he should resign and someone else who's serious about securing the border should uh, uh, be appointed. I think that Abbott is weak on this. I think that, frankly, Ken Paxton has been weak on this. I'd like to see him start getting more serious about uh, supporting the legal uh, structure of, of securing the border. So, uh, you know, I would. I think the one option we have is picking a fight in the state legislature. Have the state legislature force the hand of Abbott. But, of course, is that going to happen if, you know, they appoint Dade Phelan as a speaker and he puts Democrats in charge of committees to kill all the good bills? You know, so there's a lot of different fights going on. The problem is, is that the Republican Party statewide leadership is incredibly weak when it comes to border security. They've been incredibly weak when it comes to border security. And I don't know that that's going to change anytime soon. So I think that anyone who's serious about this and wants to solve it has got to start applying pressure and demanding that all statewide leadership, lieutenant governor, uh, attorney general, governor, frankly, any you know, dog catcher, I don't care. Uh, sheriffs have got to be more vocal. Counties have got to force the hands here. We've got to really start pushing Abbott because I, at the end of the day, I think that Governor Abbott's interests are construction uh, uh, donors and construction industry, and they want workers. And I just don't think that Abbott is actually serious about securing the border, and he's going to continue to put up nonsensical executive orders that if you really read the fine print, don't do anything. And that's what has happened in Texas is Governor Abbott has spent millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. He has put in really difficult positions a lot of National Guardsmen who are losing their jobs because they're being overdeployed on the border and not given the authority to actually secure it. So it's the worst of both worlds. I actually think that Governor Abbott owes our National Guardsmen a giant apology for all of the time and money and resources he has wasted and the stress he has put on their families without actually giving them any authority to do anything. Wow. Do you see this fight in other states as well? Because, I mean, obviously Texas is on the front line. What about the other states that uh, are, uh, are are impacted by, uh, by illegal immigration? Yeah, so, uh, you know, California doesn't seem to care. New Mexico doesn't seem to care. Uh, Arizona did, and Carrie Lake was going to be possibly our champion on this issue and she was going to declare an invasion and, and do everything necessary to secure the border but of course we know what's going on there right now <clears throat> uh, otherwise there are a few governors like DeSantis specifically has said that Abbott should declare an invasion and if he were to do so that he would send uh, personnel down to the border to help so we're all just kind of waiting on Governor Abbott to do his job and he's just not doing his job at all he's not securing the citizens of Texas from the harm of an ongoing invasion, which is thousands upon thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people illegally coming into our communities, impacting those communities in a negative, a very negative way, and, and really just trampling all over the sovereignty of Texas. And, and Abbott just doesn't want to solve it. And it's, it's a travesty. It is. Uh, it, you know, we are watching, we are watching uh, a lot of this uh, happening here in our own backyard in San Antonio. And sadly, one of the things that I keep hearing or that I'm told is that, well, we've got to be careful that we don't offend the Hispanic community. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in shock by that one. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know better than I. 
Hispanics want to secure a border too. And so it's just, it's, it, it, when I see Republicans say that, they're like, they're treating Hispanic voters like infants. It's so paternal. Yeah, it's paternalistic. It's very paternalistic. Yeah, it is. It is. It's so demeaning. Hispanic voters, as you know, are like the rest of us. They work hard, they're good parents. They want their communities to be safe. They want borders to be safe. They want to stop cartels from pushing all this nonsense into their communities, just like everyone else. And so, like, Republicans need to stop worrying about trying to uh, parent Hispanic voters and just go out and do the job. And Hispanic voters will reward them. If Republicans actually enforce the law and make our community safer and provide more opportunity to all Texans, Hispanics will, will, uh, uh, you know, react favorably favorably to that amen to that buddy uh tell the folks where they can follow you and uh, a little bit about this the uh, citizens for renewal for uh, renewal of america I, uh, it really uh, people need to support that yeah so you can go to america that's america uh i'm on twitter you know wade miller underscore usmc uh, my boss, Russ Vogt, that's V-O-U-G-H-T, he uh, was Trump's uh, OMB director uh, and, uh, you know, had a lot of power in the Trump administration, not enough power to, to overturn all of the swamp, but uh, a lot of power to start influencing things to go in the right direction. And that's why we created this entity is to we, – we really saw that there need to be major paradigm shifts in the way conservatives and Republicans look at public policy – and we need people to get out there and start talking about it and making it mainstream, like the invasion strategy or combating critical race theory or opposing child gender modification. These are all things that average Americans think are just basic common sense. But the Republican uh, consultant and organization class are just decades behind where their voters are. And they're not being responsive and providing actual policy solutions that fix these problems. And so we wanted to fill that gap and really represent, uh, you know, the conservative movement where it is today and not 40 years ago. Amen. Put a, put affirmative action in there because I believe that's that's legalized discrimination. But that's another story a- we amen. can talk about. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Wade, for being on our show. Folks, once again, we've been talking with our friend Wade Miller with uh, from the Citizens for uh, Renewal of America. And um, we really uh, appreciate all the fight that you're, you're doing. And we've got to get you back on the show, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.